Hello and shalom. Welcome to this episode of Image Bearers Radio. I'm your host, Joe Amon. We got a great show ahead, so buckle up and hang on. Here we go. Well, shalom, shalom, everybody. Hey, welcome to this episode of Image Bearers Radio. I am your host, Joe Amal, coming to you all the way from Out of Ashes Ministries in Southwest Louisiana. I hope you are doing marvelously well. How is everybody? I hope the weather's well, your family's good, everything is wonderful, and I'm excited to be back with you guys for another episode of Image Bearers Radio. Wherever you are listening from, and now for the second week, wherever you are watching from, I hope you guys are doing Doing incredibly well. If it is your first time stopping by the stream, if you're hearing us on Hebrew Nation Online or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or on our website or YouTube or wherever this may be, uh, I uh, want to thank you guys for joining in the podcast, for being a part of the conversation. Uh, and I, like I said, if it's your first time, then welcome. And I hope that you enjoy the conversation. I would invite you, uh, especially in light of the series that we're doing, to go back in the uh, last couple of episodes and kind of get caught up on what's going on. Um, but if you drop in here, then I think you'll do just fine. For those of you guys who are longtime listeners and supporters, I just want to say thank you uh, for building an incredible community around this idea of image bearing and, and trying to fulfill our God-given vocation as image bearers and talking about what that really looks like and means in a real, real world, right? So thank you guys for being awesome. Uh, and uh, just want to invite anyone who needs a, uh, a group of fellowship to be a part of on Shabbat, whether you're locally in the Southwest Louisiana area uh, or East Texas uh, area, or whether you're wherever you are. Uh, We live stream our Shabbat services every Shabbat at 10 a.m. Central. And so if you're local, come visit. If you are out and about somewhere else across the country or matter of fact, across the world, uh, then you can uh, join us live uh, either on our website at outofashesministries.org or uh, we have a mobile app that you can search our name in your app store or Google Play store and it'll come up. Uh, we also uh, multi-stream to YouTube and to Facebook, so you can find us any of those places on Shabbat morning if you would like, and uh, we'd love to have you drop in the chat, say Shabbat Shalom, tell us where you're coming from, uh, or just simply watch along. And uh, so we are excited to uh, to be able to do this stuff for 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 the kingdom and to build uh, lives, and, and one life at a time is really what it's all about, and so uh, that's what Out of Ashes is, is all about, and so thank you guys. So uh, before we get into this week's episode, as we always do here on IBR. Uh, Let's spend just a few seconds and let's ask the Father to bless our time together, right? Avina Malkinu, our Father and King, we bless you and thank you for this incredible opportunity every week that we have to come together to discuss your God-given creation in us, which is bearing your image. Father, we pray that during this conversation, you would equip us to do that better in our worlds. Amen and amen. All right, guys, so 
Welcome to this episode, which is, I try to do good about counting these episodes, and I'm just terrible. So I tell you what, let me, um, let me just look, I'll cheat and I'll look real quick. Yeah. Episode 133 uh, of Image Bearers Radio. You go like, 133? I just found you guys. How long have you guys been a thing? Well, uh, we have the privilege of uh, having a radio show, a weekly show that streams every week on Hebrew Nation Online. And so we also have an archive there, uh, and then we also have an archive on our our website. So there's 133, 32, if my counting's off a little bit or whatever it is, episodes for you to catch up on. So if you'd like to go back and just, they're not all series, they're just random things, or sometimes there are two or three weeks in a row of blocks, and we've talked about feast days, and we've talked about Shabbat, and we've talked about the temple, and we've talked about just what is scripture, and we've talked about a whole bunch of different stuff. So I would invite you to go over there and check that out uh, and catch up if you like the conversation, if you like the format, if you kind of like what we're doing and what's going on here, then I would encourage you guys to go out and uh, and just look at some more of our IBR stuff. And uh, by all means, please share this stuff if you would, uh, if you find it helpful, et cetera, et cetera. So what are we doing this week? So we have been uh, on Shabbat embarking on a series that I've entitled, What Do You Want? Uh, and that question comes from uh, a passage in the first chapter of the gospel according to John, where... Uh, a couple of disciples come to follow Yeshua, and he turns to them and he says, "What what do you want? Where are you? What are you looking for?" And I just thought it was such a, a profound question. And it, as I said, if you guys have been following Out of Ashes for any amount of time, or um, you know, have listened to any of our teachings, there's been several teachings that I've done in the last two years, three years, maybe, that I was trying to get at. Uh, I'm trying to get at at a a place of being a little more settled in my walk. What do I mean by that? Well, I'm trying to get to a place where uh, I I'm just more I feel more comfortable um, doing what we do in as far as non-Jewish uh, Torah observant or Torah pursuant. Some folks have said um, believers, and what does that look like, and what does that mean? And so. I have taught some, I've done a bunch of study, I've taught some lessons trying to kind of get to why I have this kind of unsettled feeling and what am I really looking for? Um, and so this series began as really uh, a, I, I got I got kind of pricked by the, by the Ruach at Sukkot um, that this year was going to be a year of some, some change and that we needed to start preparing. And so, like I've said in an episode before, if you know, mo- many of you guys don't know me personally, but I don't get those things very often, right? Um, I, I don't, you know, I don't hear the voice of Hashem, you know, every minute of the day, every day, et cetera, et cetera. But when it does happen, every couple of years or so, uh, I have to take notice of it because it's uh, something's going on. So uh, we began embarking on this this study about. Uh, I really felt like it was this year was going to be an increase in our observance. And why did I feel like observance? Well, I think because before I started this study and started to look at different you know ways of looking at observance and ritual and those things that we've talked about in the last couple of episodes, remember, go back if you're feeling a little bit lost. Uh, as I begin to study w- what this looked like and what this has meant for the generations before us, I really realized that you know, we can, we can say we believe stuff all day long, but doing it 
really starts to, uh, and I'm going to use a word here that is an actual word, it really starts to concretize it in our lives and into who we are and into our our identity, et cetera, et cetera. So we we want to be more observant in the things that we say we believe, right? And that's it. And so really as a, as a, as a spectrum, if, you know, if you're uh, somehow, if you're, uh, you know, a Christian, you know, a, a Baptist or Methodist or whatever, that's listening to this um, and you go like, I don't really do the Torah thing, but what do you believe and how observant are you in those things, right? What, if your life centers around maybe the Ten Commandments or even the Sermon on the Mount and those kinds of things, how observant are you to those things? And do you have actual mechanical practices in place that will help to develop the ethic that you want in your life? For those of us that do study the Torah and, and do our best to, to live it in our everyday lives, then uh, uh, how how halakhically strict are we and, and how, because it's not about being strict, it's about what the the walking and the ritual produces in us. Because we've been so belief focused that we've forgotten that practice actually produces more fruit than belief alone does. And so that's that's kind of where this whole thing started, where the seedbed is. And so we have talked about in the last few weeks, if you see me looking over here, I'm just looking at some notes just to make sure I stay on track, um, which is hard for me to do, so I need all the help I can get. But we have talked in, uh, in the last few episodes about um, kind of why this, this, uh, this conversation, uh, and then we, we did kind of a, an overview of, of what do we mean by obedience, uh, observance, uh, halakha. We did some synonym kind of, you know, looking at some different ways to approach this so that it's an entryway for you. If if observance doesn't land for you and you can't connect to that word, then what are some other ways we can think about it? Uh, and then we looked at this phenomenon uh, called the Dunning-Kruger effect, which I love. It's one of my, I mean, it's one of the favorite things that I've found the last couple of years. Um, and how that affects how we grow and learn and how we should think about the seasons where we're in as we are progressing and growing in our image-bearing capacity. And then last week, we looked at another teaching I had done a a little bit ago called the psychology of faithfulness. And we talked about what it actually looks like to progress. What are the phases of progression? What do we need in order to progress in, you know, to the place and to the goal where we want to be? So, those are the those are the that's kind of a quick recap of where we've been and uh, and as far as for where we're where we're going, uh, you'll just have to keep up with the series. So I just want to remind you that this uh, radio series is lagging behind our Shabbat series uh, by several weeks. And so if you're watching the Shabbat series, you have already listened to a lot of what I'm going to talk about in the next couple of weeks on Image Bears Radio, but. This is different, a little slower, a little more maybe um, intentional, and also it's giving me a chance to get your feedback and think about it and and work it into how we talk about these things uh, here on the radio show, on the podcast. So, uh, all right, I think that is all caught up. I think that's all the preliminary stuff uh, that we need to take care of now uh, that we're 12 minutes in, almost 12 minutes in. So let's get into this week's podcast. portion of this. So last week we ended off by talking about the way that we change. And we talked about three 
uh, three spheres of of what make us uh, of, of change and how we think about uh, how we think about change. So they're on the outside uh, of these spheres is outcomes. So many times we try to change by changing our outcomes, right? So if we think about it in a gospel, you know, in a gospel context, we can think about, you know, Yeshua came, he could have changed just the outcomes of what was going on. He could have raised an army. He could have he could have used his wisdom and his understanding to um, to bring in the group of the Jewish people known as the zealots, um, he could have he could have worked here on the earth in a lot of different ways, in order to change things in different ways, and yet he he focused on one way, which I, I this is how I see it, the lens that I see it through. You can disagree, and that's okay, but he could have changed the outcomes, which means the outcome is like well. I um I wanna I wanna be I wanna you know be skinny so that's the I want to change the outcome. It doesn't matter how I get there. I just want to be skinny, right? And so the Yeshua could have changed the outcome. He could have gathered an army. He could have toppled uh, Herod possibly, or you know made a go at it. He could have had a run a revolt. Um, he could have uh, you know he could have had the high priest or you know the leaders of the Sadducees um, assassinate. I mean, there's a lot of different things he could have done militarily, uh, you know, revolutionarily. He could have done it a lot of different ways. So there are outcome based things. You may be looking at your life. And, and you may try to change an outcome without really worrying about how you got there or how it works or any of that. That's one level of change. The second level of change is process change. This is changing how we do things in order to change the outcome. And so, you know, you could argue that much of Yeshua's ministry is focused on process change. Um, is is focused on how we do things. In other words, don't just follow the the Torah on a surface level. Don't just not physically murder someone, but don't hate someone in your heart. You could argue that his ministry was focused around process change, how we do the Torah, right? And that's a lot of people argue that. Yeshua's ministry was focused on how the Torah is being done. Okay, valid. So if you're changing outcomes, great. If you're changing identity um, uh, systems or, or processes, great. The center and the central element of change is identity change. And this is where I see Yeshua's ministry really focusing is identity change. In other words, don't physically kill somebody. This is, this is a knife if you're watching. <laughs> don't physically kill someone. Don't hate them in your heart. That's an identity thing. In other words, if you are full of hate, and Yeshua likened that to murder, then you have to ask yourself, why, why am I full of hate? Why do I hate? What it, where is the basis of this hate? That's not a process or outcome question. That is an identity question. And so you can, you know, you can argue maybe that Yeshua's ministry was, was or his life was to change the, the way that we followed Hashem at these different phases. I see it as an identity change, which is you know, for me, backed up in the the, the apostolic scriptures as, um, you know, any, for anyone who is in Messiah, the old has gone and the new has come. That's an identity statement. Uh, you know, you are a new creation. That's identity. And then that 
then further then blooms out into process. Because you're new creation, then you should you should see the world and you should interact with creation differently. Um, which then will give a different outcome to where we are, right? So these three levels that we focus on, and one level is not better than the other. There are times to focus on outcome change. There are times to focus on process change, and there are times to focus on identity change. For our purposes, this is why this series is is kind of it's kind of taken me off. It's, it's kind of you know it's taken me by surprise in some ways because I was intending for this to be. Uh, a process series. I was intending for us to talk about uh, obedience, observance, halakha. That's a process thing in order to change our outcomes. That's what this whole talk was supposed to be about. This whole series, right, was supposed to be about. At Sukkot, when I really felt that that you know inclination from Hashem, that's what I was. I had my mind set on, and really, what it's turned out to be is an identity series. It's been it's it's turned out to be a, a walk and a talk on identity. So. Um, so that's where we're going. We're going to identity. So the question we have to ask ourselves, um, well, the statement we kind of ended on last week was most people think, uh, of what they want to be, i.e. skinny or wealthy or fill in the blank of whatever you want to be. Um, they think of what they want to be and how to get there. So that's outcome and process, right? I want to be skinny how do I get there? I have to go on a diet, right? Or I want to be wealthy. Either I have to pick up another job or we have to stop spending or I have to get involved in a investments. Or, you know, we, we have all these ways. Setting goals and determining actions without a change in your identity or without a, an inkling towards a new way to think about what you believe about yourself um, is really just a recipe for disaster. It's a recipe for failure. So we can have all the goals we want, and we can, and we're going to talk about goals in a few weeks. We can have all the processes down, but if we don't believe we are that person, then then it's it's really it it's 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 not going to be good. And the the I told you a story. I opened up my heart a little bit last week, and and uh, told you about my own struggle with 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 dipping. Uh, with you know dipping tobacco, and how that really changed for me when I really realized like this is not who I am, and I started to to think that and say that and and really make myself believe that that's not who I am. So it it all comes down to identity, right? So then the question for this week is when we think about our again, I, I keep saying image bearing vocation or image bearing responsibility. And what do I mean by that? Let's talk about that and define that a little bit. Well, Genesis tells us that we were created in God's image, which in Hebrew is Selim Elohim, T-S-E-L-E-M, Selim Elohim, in his image and in his likeness. And so we are created as the expression, you could say, of Hashem. The interesting thing about the word Selim or Selim Elohim really can honestly be translated um, as God's idol, and which is a fascinating uh, study and, and way to think about if we are created as God's idol, his image bearer, right? That's what an idol is, an idol, a wooden idol or an iron idol or clay, whatever, it bears the image of the God. That's what it does. And it stands in the place for the God, 
So you can see in Scripture by that understanding, hopefully you can understand why idolatry, avodah zarah, is the, not the penultimate, is the ultimate transgression. It is the ultimate sin against Hashem, right? Because we are forfeiting our place as the as God's idol, the one through whom He expresses Himself, the one through whom bears His image. We are we are we are play, replacing ourselves with another created thing, and God already created a thing to be to be the idol. That's us. We should speak for Him and act for Him and walk for Him and look for Him and express who He is. Right. So. When we talk about image-bearing capacity or image-bearing vocation, what are we talking about? What we're talking about is I am not the image of God, and you individually are not the image of God. We are together. And so this is a community thing. This is a body thing. This is a family vocation. However, we can't we can't override the individual in the community because the individual is is the the it's it's the atomic part it's the nuclear the molecular part of the body and so you have to do what you are called to do in that image bearing capacity the relief hopefully should be that it is not all on you to bear god's image to the world and so if you have a weakness if you have a uh, an area of your life where you you know you have a struggle, you have a challenge, as we all do, right? If you have those places, and when you have those places, it's not like you are failing to represent God to the world, because as a family, as a body, as a kingdom of people who are supposed to represent Hashem and bear His image. It is up to all of us to pick up and cover each other where we're weak. And so that's so it's my it's my job to do my best to fulfill God's call for my life. And that that means so I didn't mean to get into this today, but I think we need to go here. That means that you know what there are going to be some areas that I'm weak. That, those areas are just built into who I am. Hashem created me like that. Not to make this all about me, but I know me the better than I know any of you. So I'll use me as an example, right? And, and kind of the illustration, uh, just for, just for illustrations, uh, purposes, I know my wiring and I know that I really, I'm artistically wired. And that means that too much structure. Uh, I was talking to somebody the other day that said rubber band structure. And I love, I love that term rubber band structure. Too much structure kills me. Too much consistency, too much rigidity, too much scheduling, I feel I get really anxious and really almost claustrophobic. And I feel like, okay, things are not good, right? I need some freedom. I need to be able to move. I need to be able to, to be spontaneous. And so I know, I know that about me. I'm not hyper-disciplined. I'm not, you know, I'm not one of those kind of people that is just the same every, I'm not super consistent. And I've been told my whole life that's a negative, that's a flaw. That lack of consistency is a flaw that you need to change, you need to work on. And what I've realized now in my 40s is that it's it can be a flaw if I don't manage it, if I don't steward it and manage it, it can be a flaw. But that is legitimately how I am created. 
And Hashem knew that when he created me. My lack of consistency personality-wise and, and, and you know, wiring-wise is not a result of sin. It's actually part of God's fingerprint. It's the, it's the, the, the yin to the yang of creativity, if you want to say it like that. It's the balance. And so part of my image-bearing capability is embracing the positive parts of that, the creativity, the, the artistic part of me, and realizing that these other things are a part of that too, and I have to manage both sides. Because of those things, there are some other blessings that we'll talk about as we, uh, as we come back from the break. I think this is going to be really helpful, I hope so, for a lot of people in how we think about ourselves. So I tell you what, we will break here and uh, we'll come back right after the break. So hey, don't go away. We'll be right back. All right, guys, welcome back. So super quick break. So in how we think about ourselves, right, you may struggle or have struggled with this image thing where you're not sure how to think about yourself and, and what it, what that looks like. And I'll tell you what, you know, the church has done a lot of great things. I know I'm hard on the church, but the church has done a lot of great things. But one thing that they really have not done well in my experience is um, self-image, personal image, and you may go, well, like, yeah, but it's the image of God that matters. It's the image of Messiah. Yeah, but we were created in that image, so it all it all folds back in together. And Yeshua said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And I think part of the reason why the world is going, you know, is continually in chaos and, and is going to a, a point of, of, of entropy is that we don't love ourselves. If we had massive self-love, the church has been uh, traditionally has been scared that that would turn into pride and arrogance, which is you know one of the seven deadly sins. However, a, a healthy self-love and appreciation for your your part of God's fingerprint, the part of God's image that you are responsible for for being in fulfilling this whole group of humanity that expresses God to the world. A healthy view of that doesn't produce arrogance and pride. It produces humility, actually. It produces the very thing that we are supposed to be producing. So we might not get to the rest of what I had in my notes for this week because I really feel like this is a vein we need to stay in. I need to talk to you about how you think about yourself. So the you know the, the positive part, you may be a really logical person, and I... I have people, you know, they're very close to me that are wired very logically, the complete opposite from me, just completely opposite. I, I come to fellowship with them. I pastor them. I have them in my family. I live with them in my, you know, in my world every day, incredibly logical. And they, at times in, in religious, you know, uh, circumstances have have been made to feel less than because it's really hard for them to connect in worship. They either kind of just don't get it. When I'm talking about worship, I mean like a worship service, singing, being emotionally connected. And, and you know, they've been in churches sometimes where, you know, the, that part of ministry and of the service is a really big deal. 
the ministry part, the, the, the worship part is a really big deal. And they stand there in the pew with, and their hearts are, they're aching to connect with God. They're aching to, to, you know, to be what they see around them. And they see people in tears with their hands raised and they see people you know, on their knees on the floor doubled over. They see people on their faces on the floor just you know, having these incredible God moments. And, and, and they hear the worship leader or the pastor or whatever you know, encouraging people to worship and to press through and all these things. And these people stand there and they wonder, what's wrong with me? Why can I not why don't I have the same expression as, as these other folks, right? And it can be a really tough thing. And so on both sides of the spectrum, but you know what? We're, what, what, what the beauty is, is that there's nothing wrong with you. And you don't have to express your connection to God like those people do. Those people, they can't understand you know, they can't understand some kingdom things the way you do. Maybe if you're a really logical person, maybe your, your, your worth in the kingdom is intended to be administrative. And you go, well, like, that's not really spiritual. No, that's super spiritual. Administration in the kingdom, in a church or, or a fellowship group or whatever, is incre- in a home group, administration is incredibly important. My wife is gifted with administration. And I say all the time, very, very transparently, if it weren't for my wife, we, out of Ashes Ministries, Image Bearers Radio, all these things would not be a thing because I would be some kind of like transient, you know, like hobo, you know, evangelist kind of whatever kind of thing. I don't know. I'd be doing this podcast from, you know, I don't know, somewhere you know, an extra room at my house or something, you know, that's just like thrown together and whatever. Like, I'm just not, but, but we have, because of my wife, we have a beautiful facility. We have a wonderful team of people. Um, she, she organizes food every single week. We, you know, that, and, and that, that creates the structure for there to be a person like me who has the creativity because a, a person like me who's creative I may be really, really bad at consistency and administration and logistics and all of those kinds of things, but you know what? To my, to our credit, those of you that are wired like me, to our credit, we have we have madness as a part of our lives, um, and we tend to deal with uh, with you know depression, anxiety, and that kind of stuff a little more. But also, we have moments and insight into and connections with Hashem that that other people just don't have. We have a a moments of profound understanding that other people don't have, and that's balanced with kind of what we term as like this, you know, anxiety and madness or whatever. And I think really the truth is that that is Hashem's balance. That's God's balance. Because if we were just all, you know, all feeling and sensing the depths of God all the time, then man, we would be some hard creatures to deal with, right? And so the the other side, and, and of course, we're talking about logical and artistic, kind of the two ends of the spectrum, if you will, but there's a whole gradient, right? A whole spectrum in between where, where you may fall. Um, and some of you may, may be a little less balanced and maybe a, mo- a little more balanced or whatever. But again, balance is not always the holy grail. Um, and so there's, 
when we talk about image bearing, we're talking about finding who we are and who we are supposed to be. So I'm going to ask you a lot in this series. I'm going to ask you a lot to do analysis on yourself, to audit yourself. I want you through the next several weeks or months or whatever it's going to take of this series, I want you to become better at at understanding and knowing yourself, feeling your rhythms and your pulses and your ups and downs and in and outs, or really more in tune with, with your consistency and understanding what that consistency brings to the table as far as your gifts and your, your strengths in the kingdom. Um, you know, I was, someone this Shabbat mentioned, uh, mentioned the artist, the gospel artist, Fred Hammond. I'm not sure if any of you are familiar with Fred Hammond or his music or whatever, but, uh, someone, uh, mentioned him this Shabbat and, it just memories flooded back for me of uh, just being in college, and I remember finding Fred Hammond, and uh, golly, I have such fond memories of uh, you know of of listening to to Fred's music and to to just it was such a a unique and cool part of my journey and of my life, and um. As this person, you know, talked about uh, Fred and his music and stuff. This week, I found myself going back and and reminiscing and and remembering those songs and and just you know, I found myself in tears at one point. And you know, the thing is, I don't, I don't uh, really, I don't really relate to a lot of the theology in those songs anymore. Uh, my theology has has expanded, has changed a little bit, you know. And I, I, but the songs are, you know, a lot of his songs are about, you know, praise is the key, praise is the weapon. You'll win through your praise, you know, you're victorious through your praise, et cetera, et cetera. And those kinds of, you know, those things for those of us who are worshipers are like, yeah, yeah, man, a hundred percent right up my alley. Um, that's what I need to hear, you know, because I'm, I'm already strong in that area. But for someone who doesn't connect to Hashem, through worship or song or, you know, those kinds of things, then these kinds of messages can be really discouraging and really disheartening. And so, you know, we have to, we have to know that, that, that is, that is not the only way. The truth of the matter is that for many of us who are really strong in our, in connecting through God emotionally or from a worship standpoint, and, and again, those things are not always synonymous. I'm using them in light, in terms of like our personality. But those of us who are strong in that area, you know what we need? You know where our deliverance comes many times? It's not through more worship or through more praise. Our deliverance might come through more logistics. Our deliverance, our getting from where we are to a greater level of image bearing in our in our walk might actually come through not more praise or more worship or spending more time in our closets, our prayer closets or more time, you know, whatever, but it may actually come through teaming up with somebody who is really good at, at consistency and, and, and habit forming and, you know, self-control and discipline and those kinds of things. That actually probably is where more of our victory will come from because 
We are a body. We need each other. And then maybe we can actually help, teach, encourage, strengthen someone who's really logical in in their connection to Hashem through worship and the awe and wonder that we experience in worship. So, man, I, that was a big rant and really way off topic, but I hope that that speaks to someone that you you know when we look at what the ideal what ideal holiness or the ideal righteousness of scripture looks like that may look like something very specific and particular for you but it also may look like something very vanilla very i use the word amorphous just i don't know maybe it just looks like a it just looks like light to you I, what does that mean i don't know but this this idea that uh, that we all have to be the same is not is not right. And I, I said this a week ago or a couple weeks ago. You know, I don't want uh, I, I don't want OAM for those of you that you know join us on Shabbat or, or you know consider yourself a part of what Hashem is doing at OAM. I don't want us to be the kind of ministry that says, "Here's our statement of faith. This is what we believe." Now. As someone who joins with OAM, we're going to put you through a series of teachings. Here's all of my teachings. Here's all of my series. We're going to put you through a series of teachings. And as you go through those, then you're going to come out looking like XYZ. You go in as ABC, you come in, you come out as XYZ. And if you go through the program, through the curriculum, then you come out that way. And that's a lot of, that's a, that's the way a lot of people do discipleship. It's just a program. It's a curriculum. It's a, you know, and I've been through those things, and they're good, and they have good parts to them. But that's not what I wanted. What I want is I want a conversation, and I want a discussion, and I want a, I want a, I want a, a question and answer type of thing. I want the, there to be the ability where we are all challenged with new information, and it causes us to tap into our own ability to grow in wisdom and understanding, and knowledge. And the beautiful thing about that for me is that you have a different ability than I do, and I need your ability, and you need mine, And but I need you to be confident in where you are. So like I said before, a lot of this series is going to be asking you, I, I make this statement in Shabbat, I can't give you an identity. So he asked the question, are you the type of person who wants, who wants you know, whatever you are supposed to be, do you want it or do you see yourself as that? It may begin as wanting it, but you have to get to the point where you see yourself as that. And as you do, then it forms a feedback loop, what we'll call a feedback loop later, that will help to grow that capacity. You're not reaching for that sh- that that goal anymore, that shiny object. You actually are that thing, and you're growing in that capacity. See, the beautiful thing about growing with Hashem and growing in the kingdom is that there is never a place to reach. There is never an identity to reach, and then you go, okay, well, I believe I am this identity now. I can stop. No, the goal is that we reach that identity. We reach that skill set. We reach that level of halakha or observance or whatever it is, and then once we've reached it, we don't stop. That's the beginning. Then we begin to grow in it and expand it and cultivate it. While we're trying to reach the goal, we are, that is an inside work. That is a, that is a thing that we do. 
But then as we begin to realize and reach that goal, and then we begin, then, then we begin to turn it outwards as we cultivate it and share it with everyone else. And so is the type of person that Hashem created you be, is it to be, is it something you want to be or is it something you see yourself as? The more, uh, I'm going to use the P word, I know like the cardinal, you know, sin. Uh, it seems like if pride was such a big issue, then, uh, then God would have taken the whole word and concept out of reality. Anyway, that was a cheeky statement. I don't mean, to, I don't mean it like that. But the, but the more pride we have in, um, in an area of our identity, the more pride you take in an area of identity, the more particular we will tend to be to, uh, to maintain and to steward the habits that are associated with that identity. I think that's a beautiful, you know, thought. And again, this comes from, uh, this comes, excuse me, from, uh, this book, uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear. If you haven't picked it up yet, I hope that you will. But the more, the more pride we have in an identity, then the more particular we are and the, the more you know, diligent we are to really protect all the habits and all the observances, all the liturgies that, that contribute to or that are associated with or that even help to reinforce and maintain that identity, right? So I love this picture of the Jewish people, for instance, because, you know, the the part of their identity is Shabbat. We're going to talk a lot about Shabbat in the coming weeks, uh, just as a test case, just as a, a foundation, as kind of the inner circle of where our uh, this conversation will go. But you know, the the religious Jews really protect Shabbat or kosher eating, kashrut. Uh, they protect it uh, very fiercely. Um, why? Not because they think that, you know, they, that's their way to, you know, to heaven or to the world to come or, you know, it's any of that. It's exactly this. It's that it's part of their identity. And the pride that they have in being Jewish and in, in, in following the Torah and being Hashem's chosen people, they protect all of the habits that are associated with that identity. Does that, I hope that makes sense because that's, that's I think, fairly profound, a fairly profound way to think about the Torah in relationship to who we are and, and, and what we're being called to be and to do is that the Torah is not something we do, but the Torah is reinforcing an identity that we have taken on, not maybe as Jewish, but as a non-Jew who is drawing closer to Hashem and to his covenant people or however you think about it is, is you know, but thinking about it in those terms and in those lenses may be, may be helpful true true behavior change true habit change true obedience change is an identity change now this is kind of a, a double-edged sword because you can say well um, and then the question discussion has been well when it comes to Torah observance do we are we supposed to understand a commandment before we start to keep it or do we start to keep it and then we believe that understanding will come later and the truth is, uh, for me, anyway, my opinion, and that's you know what this is about, uh, or this is what you get in here. Uh, my opinion is that the answer is yes. Um, in the tradition of uh, the the proverbs that will give you two different uh, opposing counsels in two contiguous verses, <laughs> i.e., uh, 
uh, answer a fool, and then the next verse says, don't answer a fool, or order, order it's in. I'm going to say yes, and, yes, both and. What do I mean? Well, you know, as we begin to keep the mitzvot, we should stand to keep the mitzvot, we should study for understanding. And I think those things uh, can and should be concurrent, that we should be studying for understanding as we are uh, as we are practicing the parts that we can, and as we practice more, we study more. And these are these are footsteps. One footstep may be study. One footstep may be uh, understanding. And they are footsteps that we take again, because there's not a goal to reach. There's a state of being, and a state of being is continually evolving and growing. And if it's not, it begins to shrink. And that word we used uh, earlier, entropy, it begins to, to dissolve and to shrink. So true behavior is identity change. And our improvements in our image-bearing capacity, our call, if you will, are only temporary until they become who we are rather than something that we do. I served a pastor uh, in, a one, in one form of my ministry where he, one of his big things was that ministry is not something you are. Ministry is something, I mean, it's not something you do, excuse me. Ministry is not something you do. Ministry, in the traditional sense, is something you are. And you can tell the difference between ministers, teachers, pastors, preachers, evangelists, whatever, that ministry is something they do versus, you know, are opposing something they are. Or you know that you can tell if 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 ministry is just something that they're doing, or if it's something they are. So the, again, this image bearing thing is not something that we do. We don't do image bearing. We are image bearers, and that's a really important distinction. And in our attempt to become more proficient, more efficient, more effective, all using all the words <laughs> at that vocation. Uh, is those attributes are only as consistent as our identity changes along with them. So, for instance, the goal is not to just understand Shabbat. Listen, I know so many well-meaning believers that understand Shabbat. Go, yeah. You ask them, and you ask them, go, well, what is what is the day? Um, you know, what is the day of of rest? In scripture, and they go, well, the Sabbath. And they go, oh, okay, so you, you keep Shabbat? And they go, no. <laughs> like, okay. Um, it, they go, well, like, yeah, it's in the Ten Commandments. You know, the, the seventh day, that's that's Shabbat. That's the Saturday. And you go, oh, okay, cool. So then you, you keep Shabbat. Go, no. Mm-mm. You know, and so there's a there's a difference in understanding Shabbat and the concept. And they go, oh, I understand all about Shabbat. God wants us to have a day of rest. My day is Tuesday. Like, what? There's a difference in understanding Shabbat and being what the the scriptures actually ask us to be, and that is a a keeper or a guardian of Shabbat. And being a guardian of Shabbat doesn't mean that you make angry posts on social media about, you know, or triggering posts about how, you know, real truth is keeping Shabbat and you don't, you know, berate your family and friends because they don't keep, that's not guarding the Shabbat. Guarding the Shabbat doesn't mean being a jerk. Guarding Shabbat means that you, you watching and listening right now, individually first and then family and whatever, you are responsible for keeping the Shabbat as holy as you are able to. 
It means guarding the Shabbat, not from uh, the desecration of the church or Christians or whatever, however you think about that, but guarding the Shabbat means guarding it in your life, in your community, in your family, in your home from ordinariness. It means guarding it from the other six days that try to leak into Shabbat. That's what guarding Shabbat is really about. The goal is not, again, to understand the Shabbat, it's to do it. Justice and mercy, which Scripture says is the foundation of Hashem's throne. The goal is not to just understand that we should be people of justice and mercy and see that as the, the goal, but it is to work on being a person of justice, to embody justice and mercy in your own life, righteousness and justice in your own life. It's not even to be entertained, that's a cynical way of, 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 of thinking about it, but it's the way I'm going to use, by every teaching on YouTube. I know people like, mm, I, I get it, it's good, I'm glad you're studying, I'm glad you're seeking truth, but are you, just, are you just having that dopamine tickle by learning something new, or are you actually becoming a person who studies, who knows how to research, who knows how to study, who knows how to read sources and compare and contrast things? Are you growing in wisdom and understanding? So this conversation, again, forgive me our... You're welcome <laughs> for it kind of uh, derailing and, and not going the way I had planned, but I hope it's been helpful in the way that you think about yourself because ultimately, guys, this whole series is going to be about you thinking about yourself and how to how to think about yourself and how to do that in a, in a healthy and, and beautiful way so that you can come into congruency with what Hashem, who Hashem created, thus making the body better. All right. We love you guys. We pray your blessings and see you again next week. Shalom, shalom. 